Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who are trouble, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, and I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to it. Lord, give us humble hearts uh, to receive from you, and teach us, Lord Jesus, once again, the truth of the good news of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that we're standing on the rock. We're standing on you, a rock that cannot be moved. Lord, yes, we are shaken in this life in which we're lived, living, but Lord, we're not moved. We're secure in you. And it's not uh, because of what we've done. It's because of your grace that we have the, uh, the security and the peace of standing upon you. So, Lord, as we begin to look at Galatians, I pray that you would just fill our hearts and our minds with your spirit. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we read uh, the Apostle Paul's opening words to the letter uh, to this church in Galatia, we understand that there was a very serious problem in that church. That ancient church was facing a difficulty. You see, false teachers had come to them preaching a false gospel, a gospel that really wasn't a gospel at all. So the false gospel message went something like this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, to be saved, to make it to heaven, to enter through the pearly gates into everlasting life, not only, you need not only faith, but you must do good works. Good works are demanded in order for you to be saved because God will not save you without your good works. So false teachers crept in among them and, and began to preach a false gospel. And this false gospel is what we call legalism. Legalism. And I believe that we all have this legalistic bent. This legalistic bent, which really is a bent in and on, uh, in upon ourselves. We're all tempted to believe that, that we need to do something in our own strength to save ourselves. It's very difficult actually for us to believe that salvation and eternal life is absolutely a free gift from God. 
You know, when I was a boy, I, I remember hearing about salvation. I heard that a, that a person is forgiven of sins and a person's given eternal life as a gift of Jesus Christ who died for sin and was raised from the dead. And I heard um, uh, that, that where there is faith, there's salvation. Where there's faith, there's salvation. And, and all that the Bible says about salvation is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So I heard this good news, this good news of God's grace. So I would pray, Lord, I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And Lord, I believe in you. But I didn't think that was enough. I thought that I had to do more. I thought that there was more that I had to do in order to be saved. So what I would always add to my, to my prayer, Lord, I'm a sinner and I believe in you that you died to take away my sins. I would always add to this prayer that, uh, Lord, what else do I need to do to be saved? What else do I need to do? What else do I need to do to be forgiven and saved. You see, in my mind, I, I couldn't comprehend salvation as a completely free gift of God's grace. I couldn't comprehend a salvation that did not require my good works. I thought there were other hoops I had to jump through in order to be saved. I thought that God demanded more of me for my salvation than simply believing in Jesus. And in my childhood mind, I thought, well, everything that's really good costs something, right? Everything that's good in life costs us something. So in my, in my childhood man, I, mind, I thought, okay, here are some good things. Candy costs something, right? The guy that runs the corner store never gives away candy for free. The ice cream man never hands out free ice cream from his truck. You know, when you're a kid, candy and ice cream, they're, they're the things that, that your life kind of revolves around as a kid, right? Those are some big priorities, and now that I think of it, I guess that really hasn't changed much for me. You know, if I wanted to go to the movie theater and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger's latest movie, nobody's getting into the theater for free. I said, all the good things in life cost something. And so I would work for money, even as a kid. Sometimes that work included digging through the couch until I found enough money to buy what I wanted. So I found ways to make money so that I could buy those good things in life. And I had to work. No one was handing out money for nothing in the 80s, despite that Dire Straits song. You see, in my mind, if everything good cost me something then the forgiveness of sins in and, and heaven, it can't be free. It can't be free. But the Bible teaches salvation is the free gift of God that is given to you and I by grace, through faith, apart from the works of the law. So the Galatian church had been lied to. 
false teachers had preached to them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the works of the law are required to be saved. You cannot be saved unless you obey the commandments. And they believe the lie. They believe the lie. Paul's response in chapter Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul wrote in response to them, he said, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? The main theme of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Galatia is that Jesus went to the cross for your salvation. Jesus went to the cross for your salvation, and salvation is given to all who repent and believe the promise of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's the gospel. Jesus died for you. Trust in him. Believe in him, and you are saved. So you're on the rock. This inward bent that we have towards looking at our own good works. We don't have to live there anymore. We're on the rock. We're on the rock. You know, when you're trying to trust in your own good works, you never know if your good works are enough, right? You never know that you're doing enough in order to be saved. So you're on the rock, and this rock, you're on the rock by grace. And then we have this voice that whispers into into our ears, and that voice whispers into your ears, and that voice says, you're no good. You're too big of a sinner. You can't be saved. After all, you're, you're not dedicated enough. You haven't achieved a very deep spirituality. And so we hear these lies all the time. That voice from the devil is a lie. You see, the devil knows what he's doing. The devil will tempt you, tempt you to sin. He'll, he'll, first of all, he'll whisper into your ear, just one bite won't hurt. Actually, he'll whisper into your ear and he'll tell you that one bite will help. But as soon as you, you take that, that bite... Then he whispers into your ear again. He'll say, now you've done it. Now you can't be saved. I want you to know that you're on the rock today. On Jesus you stand. You didn't put yourself on the rock by your good works. And you don't keep yourself on the rock by your good works. You're on the rock by grace. On Jesus you stand, a gift of his grace. You see, legalism is depending upon obedience to the law as the means to enter into fellowship with God, as the means through which we enter into this relationship with God, and legalism is believing that our good works keep us in a good relationship with God too. As Christians, we believe that a person enters into fellowship and remains in a right relationship with God by grace through faith, not by obedience to the commandments. Salvation is by grace. Staying in fellowship with God is by grace. Grace. 
What are we talking about when we talk about God's grace? When we talk about God's grace, we're talking about God's favor. God's favor. Grace is God's favor. And did you know that God has given you his grace? God favors you. Most people who are honest and uh, have, have a right understanding about themselves know that they're sinful. They have this sense of brokenness. And they have this sense that, yeah, I have messed up. I have sinned, and it's, and it's not right. So that may lead us then to, to ask the question, how could God favor me? No, God doesn't favor me, we would say. He favors those who are more, more devoted than I am. He favors those who are more obedient than I am. God doesn't favor me. But again, this takes us back to performance-based ways of thinking. We're tempted to fall back into legalism. We're prone to believe that the God favors Christians who do a lot of good works and Christians who rarely sin, Christians whose performance is way up here. God favors them, but, but he doesn't favor me because my Christian performance is, is way down here. And, and we believe this because this is the way life works, right? People who perform at a high level usually are favored over those that perform at a lower level. Who gets a raise? Who gets a promotion? So we might think, well, well, God doesn't favor me because I'm not performing at this level. If you're a sports fan, you probably favor certain players over other play players. And the reason you favor one player over another player is because certain athletes perform better than others, right? If you're into fantasy football, you favor players based on their ability to score you more points. Nobody chooses fantasy football players who are at the bottom. At least they don't want those players at the bottom. Sometimes you might end up with a player at the bottom. Imagine somebody choosing a team favoring a team where all the players are at the very bottom, the lowest performers in the NFL. That's what God has done in favoring us. God favors you, not because of your ability to score spiritual points. We do think certainly God favors others, other Christians who are better Christians than I am, but he doesn't favor me. But God does favor you. He favors you. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. Salvation is a free gift to you and I. Salvation is free to you and I. Remaining in a relationship with him is a free gift of grace. It is free, completely free. We do nothing. God bestows it upon us. He bestows upon us the gift of repentance. 
that knowledge and that, that feeling inside of us that we're sinners, that we're broken. He gives us that as a gift of his spirit. And then he gives us the gift of faith to believe and to trust in him. It is all a gift that is of grace and it's free to you. Salvation is free to you. But it costs God. Salvation is free to you, but it cost God. It cost God his, his one and only Son. It cost God the second person of the Trinity. Look at Galatians 1, 3 through 5 with me today. Paul begins his letter to the church in Galatia with these words, Grace to you, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins. Immediately as Paul begins his letter, he talks of, speaks of grace and peace. And he speaks of the cross. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. At the heart of Christianity is the cross, the cross of our Savior. God gives grace and peace to you today, but it came through the costly sacrifice of Jesus. You see, without the cross, there is no grace. And without the cross, there is no peace. But Jesus gave himself for your sin to deliver you from the present evil age. See, when Paul passed through Galatia on his, on his missionary journey, he, he preached this message to the Galatians. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel, and you will be saved. Trust in Jesus. Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for your salvation. He preached this message. The Galatians heard this good news. They believed the good news. But when the false teachers came in and started preaching a false gospel, they deserted the true gospel. And they believed the lie that they must trust in their own good works. Theologian John Stott wrote this, Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. Only God can give salvation to sinners. But we assert ourselves against God. And we attempt to save ourselves by our own good works. That's why Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. John Stott goes on to say God sacrifices himself for man. God sacrifices himself for man and, and puts himself where only man deserves to be. In other words, you deserve the punishment of the cross for your sin. 
But the second person of the Holy Trinity in love for you willingly sacrificed his life upon the cross in your place. He took your place. This is the gospel. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. But God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only God deserves to be. When you get this wrong, it's, it's extremely serious. When you get the gospel wrong, it's very serious. Why is it so serious? Well, when we, we choose to put our faith in our own good works, we're, we're actually deserting God. We're actually deserting God. I want you to look very closely at what Paul says in Galatians 1.6. This is why legalism is such a serious problem. Galatians 1.6. There St. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. Did you hear that? So quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Legalism may be the ugliest form of idolatry that there is. To trust in your own good works is to desert, it is to, to leave the one true God and to put yourself in the place that only God can be in. Salvation is the gift of God's grace. Don't try to take from God that which only God can give. Stop trying to save yourself. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul uses very strong language because this is very serious. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Strong language. I can't think of anywhere else in the entire New Testament where Paul uses this strong of language. This is serious stuff. Jesus, the apostles, and the church through the ages have called sinners to repent to be broken and contrite over sin and to believe the good news of the gospel. The message is this. Turn from sin. It's worthless. And this too, turn from trying to save yourselves. It's futile. But trust in Jesus who achieved salvation for you through, through his sacrificial death and resurrection. So then some might ask this question, if salvation is truly a free gift that is given apart from doing something to save yourself, then why do we do good works? What's the point of good works? If obedience to the commandments is not required to be saved, then, then why obey? Why obey? If God just gives this as a free gift, then why obey? 
We obey. We obey the Word of God. We obey the Scriptures. We obey not to earn salvation. We obey because we are saved. You see, the person who's been saved by Jesus, that person is filled with the Holy Spirit, and that person has a desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. Why does the Christian have this desire to obey? Because those who repent and believe the good news of the gospel have been liberated from sin. They have been liberated from captivity to sin. You have been liberated from sin. You have been liberated from bondage to the condemnation of the law. You've been liberated from all that junk. You've been given a new life in Christ. And now your desire is for God. Your desire is for his word. Your desire is for obedience to what he has said. Not to earn salvation, but because you have been liberated from sin. You are free in Christ. You are free from the condemnation of the law. You are free from the judgment that your sins deserve. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 verse 1. He speaks of this freedom. Of this liberty that is yours. Galatians 5 1. I love these words. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You are free. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then he says, skipping down to verse 13 of Galatians 5, then he says in Galatians 5, 13, he says, For you were called to freedom. That's who you are. You are one called to freedom, brothers and sisters. But then he says this, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sin. Don't look at this grace, this liberty, this good news as an opportunity to just live however you want to live. For You are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Then he says this, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, he says, in one word. For you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's more than one word. But I think he's pointing to one word in that statement. Love. Love. For all the commandments are summarized by that one word, love. To obey the commandments is to love God, and to obey the commandments is to love your neighbor. For you were not called, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Here's the thing, church. We don't 
do good works to earn God's favor. God doesn't need your good works. He doesn't need anything from you. God is completely self-sufficient. God doesn't need your good works, but you do good works out of gratitude for what he has done for you. And you do good works for the benefit of others in love. Martin Luther put it this way, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs your good works. You are free in Christ. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for sin. But instead, in love, serve. Serve others. So good works are done for the benefit of others unto the glory of God alone. So don't think of obedience as, as you trying to earn grace from God or favor with God. Think of obedience, the obedience of a Christian is something done for the benefit of others, ultimately to the glory of God alone. So steps, practical steps for you today. So here we, we walk away from this sermon. You're saved by grace. You can't save yourself. It's a free gift of God's grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through the cross, through what Jesus has done for you. Here are some steps for us to walk in obedience as Christians who are liberated by the grace of God. How can I love my neighbor? Pray for your neighbor. Look around you. The people you're sitting with today are your neighbors, your family, your friends, your relatives, your associates your neighbors, people you live near, and even strangers. I've talked about this guy named Franz. Franz is a uh, Danish guy's name. It's spelled F-R-A-N-S, Franz. Nobody here probably really knows a guy named Franz. Maybe you do. I don't know a guy named Franz, but I do know Franz because Franz stands for friends. The F in Franz is for friends. The R is for relatives. The A is for associates, those people that you work with. The N is for neighbors, people you live close to. And S is for strangers. Are you praying for people in your world, people in your life, and even brothers and sisters in Christ? So pray for Franz. Get to know Franz. Maybe there's a stranger, maybe there's somebody that you always see at, at a place you always go. Maybe it's a bank teller, maybe it's, it's uh, the, the lady or the, the gentleman that checks out your groceries at the grocery store. Uh, get to know people, get to know who they are, find ways to serve them. When you get to know them, then you'll you figure out what their needs are in life, and then you can pray for them better. And then maybe you can actually do something practical to serve them. So number one, pray for Franz. Number two, get to know Franz. Number three, find ways to serve Franz. That's who we are in Christ. We serve one another in love. We're free to serve. We're free to serve. And number four is share Jesus with Franz. No greater gift than the message of Jesus and the gift of salvation that comes through him. You see, there are some who, who think that their good works will save them. 
they don't know who Jesus is and they don't know what Jesus did for them. They're not on the rock. They're not standing in that place of security in Christ. And I say, well, what, a, what a horrible way to live. So may we take the freedom that Christ has won for us and share that freedom with others so that they too might be rescued from this present evil age and be set upon the rock so that they too can have confidence and faith in Jesus through these difficult times. So four steps. Pray. Get to know people. Find ways to serve people. And don't be afraid to share what you believe with others. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are on the rock. You're on the rock not by what you have done, not by your good works. And you remain on the rock not by your good works. It is by grace. You're on the rock. On Jesus you stand. So stand there today with confidence, not confidence in yourself, with confidence in the sure and the true and the solid promise of what God has said in his word. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you for your goodness and faithfulness. Thank you for this gift of salvation, which truly is a free gift. It is a gift of your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you that when you see us here today, that you look at us in love, that you favor us. And Lord, the reason you favor us isn't because of what we've done, it's because of what Jesus has done for us. So Lord, I pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would repent of those worthless things, and that we would be brought to you, that we would be brought to embrace you, to find our security and our hope and our strength in you, to be liberated from all these things that hold us in chains. And that then when liberated, that we would go and serve. So help us to be your servants. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to please stand as we sing today. Trust is 